I, I don't know what you did on uh, the New Year's uh, celebration. Uh, we hung out with some neighbors, a few folks, uh, kind of a low-key thing. That's usually what we do. It was one year that there was kind of a big shindig, but normally it's something pretty small. And I'm always like, um, it's just kind of weird. It's surreal that night. Like, in some ways, it's no big deal. I mean, it's the change of a number on the calendar, you know. I mean, it's what, what's the big What's the big, you know, to-do about? But then on the, on the other side, maybe it's just all the talk about it or, or what, but you start really kind of thinking back over the last year and evaluating the things that went well, the things that didn't go well, the things that you did that maybe you could do differently, the things that happened to you or, you know, good and bad and ugly. And then you also start, you know, looking ahead and thinking about, hey, what, what could I do this next year? What, what are the things that I have control over that I should, I should do differently? You know, the resolutions and all that. And then there's also this piece of, man, what might this next year hold? What, what good? What bad? And kind of that, like, gazing into the future that we just can't do. We know, we know some things are going to happen, but we don't, we don't know what they're going to be. What, wouldn't it be cool if you could, though? Like, if you could have just kind of a peek into what, what the next year holds? Um, I... I mean, surely everybody in here has seen Back to the Future, right? I mean, I remember seeing that as a kid and uh, those different movies in that series and thinking how cool it would be to be Marty McFly, like to have that, that you know, time machine where you could go and how cool that would be to like be in the past and know what's coming ahead of when it happens. And then a later movie in the series, doesn't Biff like get to see the future and know who's going to win all the sports games. It's an almanac or something, right? I mean, what could you do if you just, I mean, just something small like you knew who was going to win the Super Bowl? What, what could you do with that power? And how would it change your day today? Like, I, I know. I know who's going to, I've already seen it. I know who's going to win it. I mean, there might be a little bit of confidence when the right hands, you could probably make a lot of money with that, right? So a little bit of confidence that, hey, this is going to end well. Because I've already seen the future, and I know what's happening, and I can call it ahead of time. Uh, it's, it's just cool to kind of have that future power. Uh, my boy Brennan, he's gotten into watching a lot of these older, scary movies. And so we'll watch some of them together, movies that I saw growing up that he just hasn't seen yet. And I remember being scared out of my mind. But now, like the second time, man, I already know when that thing's going to jump out. Or I already know, I mean, things that like, you know, rocked me. Like, I already know this is going to happen. They're going up the stairs. Ooh, and he doesn't know what's coming, but like, I already know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to, I'm looking at him just to see what his reaction is going to be because I have the knowledge of the future, and that's really cool. Well, uh, the next few weeks we're going to be looking at through some different psalms, and today we're looking at, at Psalm 46. And Psalm 46, I think it really does kind of give us this, this peak into, I mean, long-term future, but I think it can also be applied in, hey, what, what we can be assured of and promised this peak into the future this, this next year. And the reason I chose it, you know, Charlie and I sit down and uh, we look at some different songs and I'm like, man, I want this one. 46 was one that I was like, I want that one, mainly for verse 10. But as I studied it, like, we're going to spend most of the time today on verse 1 and 2, because verse 1 and 2, if you get them, then all of a sudden verse 10 just lights up. So, so that's where we're going. We're going to take it just verse by verse. So, so just hang with me. So verse, verse 1, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. God is our, our refuge. He is this safe place. And strength, which would you know, give the idea of this capacity to withstand the pressures. He's very present, not just present, but the word translated is very, very present. He's a help in the midst of the trouble. You know, one thing that we would have to do, if you look at this, is not just move back, that there is an assumption that there's some trouble and that hardship is coming. And that's one thing. If you're going to gaze into this next year, I mean, I don't want to be a joy kill, but there's going to be some tough stuff that's going to come. And a lot of times I think uh, Christ followers and the church gets a bad rap because it's like this idea of, hey, this, this world where that's escape, escaping it, all the troubles and that no troubles are going to happen. And then sometimes Christians will get surprised when, when tough stuff comes. And our Bibles, Psalm 46, does not give us a picture of escaping from all the troubles or that troubles don't happen to believers, but that in the midst of the troubles, God is our refuge. God is strong enough to, to handle the weight of the problem. He is present and with us in the midst of the trouble. That our God is there and powerful in the middle of the, the dark night. Not to escape it, but to live in the middle of it, in this place of his presence and power. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a great uh, preacher of old um, and commentator, this is what he said about it. This was one of his favorite psalms. He said, When it is very dark with us, let brave spirits say, Come, let us sing the 46th psalm. When the lights go out, let brave spirits join together and sing this song. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is very present in the midst of the trouble. God is. Those two words are really big too, y'all, because it's not, there's a lot of places that we could go and think that refuge is going to be there when the trouble comes. And we get there and we find out it just doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't do it. It may promise it. It may look like an oasis from the problem. But then we go there to find refuge and we, we're there a little bit and we find out, you know, this place doesn't work. Or we find some place and we, oh, oh man, this, this, it doesn't have the strength to hold the weight of this issue. Or we go looking for it and, and we think it's close, but then when we really go, go searching, we can't find it because it's actually a long ways from us. Psalm 46 says, God is, there are a lot of posers, (laughs) and you've probably, I know I have, I've gone searching for those posers and found that they don't hold. Psalm 46 says, God is the refuge and the strength. He holds. He is a safe place. He has the capacity to take on the hard stuff. Um. You know, this made me think about another movie, Twister. Yeah, I remember the, the movie about the tornadoes. Because what is that whole movie? Like, they go finding the tornadoes, and then once they find them and the tornado's coming after them, then they go searching for some place to get safe and find refuge from the tornado so they don't die. 
which is kind of messed up if you think about it. But they, they do. They, like, they search it out, and they're chasing it, and all of a sudden they go running. And if you'll remember, like, that's the whole movie. Like, they're trying to find some place that can protect them from this storm. And I remember one scene, they, they go into a barn, and they're like, oh, this, this is a safe place, this barn, woohoo! And then they go in the barn, and there's like knives and blades and pitchforks, and they look at each other and go, man, who is this person that, lives, you know, that has this barn? And, you know, they're trying to tie themselves to things. They're trying to find some place that can be a refuge and can be strong enough to withstand this tornado winds that are coming. Um, if that one doesn't, doesn't do it for you, then there's another story about these three little pigs. You know, they leave home, and they're trying to build structures of refuge and strength against these winds that are coming of the big bad wolf. And two of the pigs, you know, they don't actually meet the standards. And one of them builds a house that withstands it, right? Everybody know that story? So, so the question is, the, the places of refuge, because the stuff's coming, the storm's coming. The big bad wolf's going to blow his winds in 2020, is the place of res- refuge and strength for you? Is it one of the posers that's going to fall down? Or is God our strength and refuge? And he holds. He has the capacity. He also has the, uh, the availability. He's very present. Because you may have that thing or know that thing, that can protect, but it doesn't do you any good unless it's with you, right? I told you a few times back when I, when I spoke with you that... Uh, my boy, my oldest boy, Caleb, and I went camping, and this huge storm came in. And we had hiked into our camp spot, and the storm was coming. And the storm was going to come and pass before we could hike out, and it was in the middle of the night. So we couldn't hike out in the middle of the night. And I didn't know the area well enough to know if there was a cave or some place. So it, what, the shelter was only good to us that the ones that we had with us. What do we have? What was available to us? We had you know, some hammocks and this little thing that could protect us from the rain. And that was it. And we were hoping that that would hold because you can only do what you have with you. Our God is with us. Yesterday, he and I, Caleb and I, were, I was trying to help him rotate his tires on his Jeep uh, with two kind of goals. One, that he could kind of know how to do that. But then also, if he had a flat, that he I'd make sure that he would know how to change it. And this Jeep has some bigger tires and they're pretty heavy. And he was having a hard time, like, taking that tire and, you know, setting it up and getting it back on the Jeep. And so I just kind of stepped back and said, what you going to do? You got a flat? (laughs) You got to get the spare back on? What you going to do? And he was real frustrated. And then he stopped and breathed for a second. And he went over and grabbed a rock and brought the rock over and rolled the tire up on the rock, which lifted it up just enough to slide it on. And what does the daddy say to that? Well, and I'm like, nice, dude. That was smart. You better hope there's a rock there whenever you get a flat. Because <laughs> if you're someplace that they don't have a rock, there's not a rock, Candy. You're going to be in trouble, man. You better start lifting so you can pick that tire up. You know, it's cool. It's all fine and dandy as long as the rock is present, as long as it's available. Well, this says that our God is not just present. He is very present. He is capable and he is available when the storm comes. And just thinking about a storm, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, 2004, there was a, a big storm that hit, uh, hit Thailand and, and countries around there, the coast of India on that side, uh, Indonesia. 
And uh, they've named it the, bo- the Boxing Day Rebellion. It happened 2004, December 26th, 7.59 a.m., uh, 9.1 magnitude earthquake, one of the largest ever recorded, ripped through an undersea fault in the Indian Ocean and released as much pent-up power as several thousand atomic bombs. It resulted in a 100-foot rolling mountain of water, and it took a staggering 230,000 lives in the matter of a few hours. Does anybody remember when that happened? My goodness, man. And if you want to look up some more details on that, it, it, was, it was crazy. I actually had a friend that was in Thailand at that time, and um, you know, they talked about how the water went out, and so everybody was, oh, man, look, the water's out. It kind of exposed the ocean floor, and it was just a little, they got no warning, and then everybody started running, and that wave just came. And there, the place that they were staying was just the water came and went right to the bottom floor and they were like on the third floor of that hotel. Horrible. Well, a storm is coming. And if you go running at that moment to go figure out where your place of refuge and safety is, you're going to be in trouble. And so Psalm 46 says to us this morning, it's coming and God is that place and he is right there. You don't have to go looking. Now, it may not feel like he's right there, Because if you guys are like me, there are times in my life where the choices that I've made and the way that I'm looking at myself and the situation, I have put myself in a spot where I feel like he's really distant. But maybe you've had the same experience I have, that he's really close. When I repent, look at my life and admit the decisions that I've made, and I turn to him humbly, I've always found that he's just right, (laughs) right there waiting. That's what, that's what Psalm 46 says. He is very present. We should not get caught off guard. All right, so now, verse 2. In light of all the things we just talked about, therefore, we will not fear. Fearless. We will not fear. We. If you notice, verse 1, it was our. This is we. As a collective people, devotees of uh, Yahweh, believers in Jesus Christ, his followers of this one true God, we collectively and individually will not fear. I must want you all to say that back to me. <laughs> we, will, we will not fear. We are a people. I'm a person that's given over to fear and anxiety really easily. But the truth is, if we embrace verse 1, and we believe that he is those things, and we turn to him, we have the ability to walk into this year and to this life fearless. We will not fear. And look at what it says. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the, the waters roar and foam, though the, the mountains tremble at the swelling, Selah, Though, though, though. And he's using all these examples from nature, even to the point of saying that the mountains, I mean, think about the mountains, tremble at the swelling of this, of this ocean. It says, we're not like that. We don't tremble. We can be fearless. 
And I think about this, this next year and what all the those may be. Therefore, we will not fear, though the job thing. We will not fear, though the family thing. We will not fear, though the friend thing, though the personal thing, though the political thing, though the, the thing, the war thing, though the whatever. You, whatever you want to put on that side of the equation, though this. I don't care how big you make it. That thing can be as big as you can possibly come up with it. You can imagine that could happen in this next year. The though on this side of the equation, the therefore on this side of the equation, our God holds. So we will not fear whatever's on that side. Isn't that awesome? Now, over the break, we met some family up in Branson, and we did this thing where you, you uh, a couple floors, stories up, and you walked on these little narrow beams, and you did all this stuff, and if you fall, you know, you're going to get hurt really bad. And, uh, and you, you know, you're in a harness, but my little harness and rope, you know, it was like another, you know, six inches or a foot down, you know, before it would catch. And so as I was walking and doing the things, like, I was just on my own. And there was kind of this thing in the back of my mind, man, will this rope and this harness hold me? And so what I do I found a place where there was a platform, and I started like, <laughs> like try, try to pull on it and get my feet up off the ground just to see, like, because I want to find that out right here while I'm on the platform before I'm out there on the thing. And as I did it more and more and more, I got more and more and more confidence that the harness would hold, that the rope was strong enough. And then by the end, we did this little, uh, oh, what's it called? Where there was nothing underneath me. Zip line. And that, Man, all right, I had the confidence to put my full weight on it and trust that I wasn't going to fall. Our God holds. Do you believe that? Then we can be fearless. And then it says, Selah, which I really like. This, this word, and remember this is a song, and it's repeated several times in here. And this word means like, like pause and reflect. And it makes me think about, you know, uh, earlier, uh, or last year when we talked about Sabbath and what Sabbath is and how there's, there's this day. The people of God are unique in that we get to a day of pause and rest. Unique among all people on the planet because we believe that our God is doing something and the whole world isn't dependent upon us. And so because our God is so big, we're able to take a day. And reflect on him and not uh, with no fear of the world falling apart because we know how big he is and that it's the weight is on him this idea of selah is like man i'm gonna pause for a second what we just talked about (laughs) that he is these things that we can be fearless all right y'all take a second reflect on that (laughs) that's our god all right then verse four there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation, the sacred home of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. You know, definitely, you know, ancient civilizations, you guys know, but man, if you've been in a plane and you've flown over a place that there is a river running through it, is it not crazy how green and lush, and how much life there is, opposed to a place that you might fly over and there's not a river present, 
and how dead. And this promises that there is this river of God that brings life. And then it's his holy habitation. It's his sacred home. Again, he is present over and over and over again through this psalm. He is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. That might be the part we don't like so much because it gives a time. He helps when the morning dawns. There's a time frame there, and, you know, sometimes with our limited perspective as humans, we look at it and we're like, man, he is slow in coming. This dark night is lasting entirely too long. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And we get frustrated. And then he comes right at the right moment with his all-knowing perspective to do the thing that he needed to do at the right time. Well, we got to make sure we're looking at it from those eyes. I, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, my Jack and Brennan had a wrestling tournament in, in the Osho. And when I drove into town, man, I had this little hit with some PTSD from a few years ago. We, uh, we took some college students to Colorado, and this storm came in, and we had to, to leave really early to make sure that we got ahead of this storm. And then this storm was like right on the, our back tires in this 32-passenger, you know, people-mover van that I was the only one that had a CDL to drive. And so we're driving across Kansas, and the wind is whipping, and the, there's already ice on the road. And I'm just, man, like white-knuckled, like man, I hope I can make this. The wheel was like this because the wind was blowing across, you know, just to keep it straight for all through the night. And we pulled into Neosho at the Shoney's for them to have breakfast. And I remember like while they're getting off this deal, like I'm prying my fingers off the wheel and I just kind of, <laughs> like, man, I, I made it. The sun had come up and I had made it through the night and it had dawned, man. And I didn't even have an appetite to go eat Shoney's because I was done, done, done. But it felt like that night would never end. And there are some moments this next year, there are going to be some moments that feel like that. But let me assure you, from this psalm, he is, God will help her when the morning dawns. And then verse 6 and 7, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but he utters his voice and the earth melts. Uh, back in the day, me and some friends came to Arkansas Razorback uh, basketball camp one summer. And when we showed up in this room, well, I didn't realize it, but we were in the athletic dorm, and the basketball players lived in that dorm, the ones that were there for the summer. And we got into the room, and the first thing we did was grab the pillows. That's what boys do, right? We grabbed the pillows and started a pillow fight. And it got nasty. I mean, we were all like, eyes were watered from getting hit in the nose. I think there was some blood. And all of a sudden, we hear this knock at the door. And we open it, and it's Clyde Fletcher. Clyde Fletcher, old Razorback basketball player that, you know, whatever, almost seven foot, kind of filled up the whole door frame, had a real deep voice. At least I remembered it being really deep. He said, boys, y'all got in those pillars. Bricks, stop it. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Fletcher. <laughs> Please don't hurt us, Mr. Fletcher. Uh, we recognized who he was immediately, and his voice melted us. Look at this promise. When he utters his voice, the earth melts. Again, whatever's on this side of the equation, whatever that though is, when, when our God speaks to that, it melts. 
is your God that big? Is he the biblical God? Or is it some God that you've created that's so small that that thing speaks to him and he melts? This says that when he speaks to that, it melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So verse 8, come let us behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. What this says is he destroys the destroyers and he uh, desolates the desolators. Verse 9, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots of fire with fire. And then verse 10, God speaks. And this is the one that you may be more familiar with. He says, be still and know that I am God. And most of the time on the cross stitch, it stops there. Or on the, you know, the applique sweatshirt. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, does that encourage you? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful now, because... Wh- Would it be more encouraging if he said, be still and know that I am God. I will make your life smooth in 2020. You will not have the troubles that we've talked about so far. I will uh, make you prosperous. I will make you, you know, what if be still and know that I am God, and then he started to list out all the things that you were specifically anxious about in your story, and he speaks directly to those things and say, be still, know that I am God, I'm going to take care of those things. Would that be more encouraging to you? Does it kind of throw you for a loop that he says, I will be exalted among the nations? Fear not and be anxious not, be at rest, have peace, y'all, because I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted upon the earth. The reason that doesn't find its way to the cross stitch is because for most of us, that's not the thing that we're laying awake at night anxious about. That those 230,000 people who lost their lives on the other side of the planet didn't know our God. That's not the thing that we're anxious about. Because somehow the world that we've created, we're the ones in the middle of it, and he's like on his knees trying to operate things to serve us. And so because we don't understand that game and the way it actually works, that our God is about making his name great on the planet and not just bringing redemption to your world and this peace to your world, but bringing his peace to all tribes and nations and peoples and tongues the whole world over. If you jump in and get a part of what he's doing, all of a sudden it starts to make a lot more sense. This is about him and his glory. That's the reason he can say with confidence, he will not stop until his name is exalted on the earth and among all the nations. Our, uh, you know, we've got twins that are five, Jack and Darcy, which is really interesting. There's a boy and a girl, and we got them these little battery-operated go-karts for, for Christmas, which was just the perfect gift for these two. And uh, so we, I took them out. Now, they, they're not fast. I mean, they're battery, but, they, but they're pretty, pretty fast. I mean, for them, it's pretty good especially when it's, it's got a governor. And when I take that off, man, I, in fact, I have to put it on because Darcy will kill somebody. And I took him out to this little basketball court, little, uh, you know, uh, concrete basketball court where they could really slide and cut cookies, and that made it fun. 
But then I, I set up, all right, here's the course. We're going to go this way to this end of the key, you know, the basketball court and back down, and, and that's a lap, and this is how you win, and we're going to take three laps. Now, these two are really different. So Jack's like, okay, Dad, so where do we make the turn? Okay, you're here. Okay, and he, he backs his into position. He's behind the line, and, and he's making sure that we do everything right. Darcy's across the line, and she's like, woo, oh, go, go. So, so then I say, all right, all right, go. And Jack follows the rules exactly and comes around. And Darcy's like, woohoo! And she's looking at me, hey, Dad! She almost hits the basketball goal. And then she runs off in the grass. And then there's a, a swing over there. And she drives around the swing set in the, in the grass. And then she pops back up. And there's this little hill. And she's like fishtailing up the hill. And then she hits the, and she's just having a blast. And she's like, we won! And Jack's like, you didn't win. I finished before you did. No, I won. Obviously, they had two different goals for the, for the race. And I think that's where a lot of us miss it. And if this next year you're going to enjoy this, this peace and this fearlessness and this rest and this incredible God who is your refuge and strength and very present, then you're going to have to recognize what he's doing and get in on his goals, his plans, the thing that he's promising to accomplish instead of this crazy thing of asking him to jump into your world and make you the center of everything. He is the center of everything. And he's doing something, and he invites us to be a part of it with him. And there is peace, and there is rest, and there is life, and there is purpose in the middle of being right beside him and letting him use you to do something incredible. Verse 11, the Lord of host is with us again. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. You know, we have built into Sunday morning, in case you didn't catch it, uh, every Sunday morning we have a, a Selah built in at the end. <laughs> we, we reflect on a passage of Scripture, some things that God is saying to us, and then there are these few moments to stop, reflect on it, for you personally, what does it look like? What does it mean? What application does that mean? What challenge is that? What encouragement is that? What thing do you need to stop for a minute and talk to him about? Uh, communion's available in the back of the room, a place to pray, people that can pray with you, the, ch- the chance to give. So I'm going to challenge us with that. Take these next few minutes, and I'm, I tell you, the, the, uh, the songs that we're fixing to sing <laughs> are a great opportunity for you to think more deeply about this. And so take these few moments and do that. I'm, I'm asking the Lord that for me and for this community that this would be a year that we jump in with him and live fearless in the shadow of his wing. So let me pray that for us. Father, there is a place that exists, a place of uh, shalom, of, of peace, a place of fearlessness, a place of uh, confidence and and impact and uh, beauty, a place of redemption. Father, I know that that's only possible to the degree to which we lean on you and lean into you and and rest under the shadow of your wing, as you say, and, and, and let you be all that you are 
and accept who we are in light of that and put everything in its right order and right priority. Father, your promise is if we'll do that, the life that's possible is incredible and beautiful and the joy that it would bring to you. So, Father, I just ask you for me and for these folks that this would be a year, this would be a moment that we would do that and it would, it would make you really happy. Amen.